It's December 30th, 2020, and welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum, and of course, uh, you know, with the emergency COVID relief bill signed this past weekend by President Trump, I wanted to get right into why it's important for broadband and the implications for Hawaii. So we're going to get right into that conversation. And with that, uh, we, uh, I want to uh, introduce or welcome uh, Sean Davis. He's the Research and Policy Director over at the NDIA, which stands for the National Digital Inclusion Alliance. And I also have Sean Takeda uh, McLaughlin, who's the uh, Executive Director over at Access Humboldt. Uh, he's been on the show before, and he uh, he's familiar with our format here. And, of course, uh, uh, Access Humboldt is a public access channel in California. And just so that... Uh, we don't uh, mix up the, the Sean's. I'm going to call Sean McLaughlin uh, Taketa because uh, he actually has Taketa in his name also. So just to be prepared, uh, we got Sean Davis and, and Taketa on the line, and I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Hey, how's it going, Bert? Aloha, thanks. Very good. And so let's start off uh, with uh, uh, Sean Davis uh, and, and a little bit of a uh, description of what you do over at the NDIA and what does what does the NDIA, NDIA do in terms of uh, advocating for digital inclusion? So NDIA stands for National Digital Inclusion Alliance, as you mentioned, and um, essentially we see ourselves as a unifying unifying voice for organizations on the ground where we advocate for home broadband access, public broadband access, um, personal devices, um, and essentially bridging the digital divide by uh, fulfilling those the, the the infamous three-legged stool devices, internet access, and uh, digital skills training. And so, what we do is we help craft, identify, and then disseminate financial. Um, resources for digital inclusion programs while also serving as a bridge to policymakers and to the general public. So um, what I do in that is I do a lot of the the research for any particular bill, any particular policies that are brewing. Um, I also help speak or talk to our affiliates, um, our member organizations that are on the ground that are connected to the communities and help advocate for any of those policies or, legis- or, or legislation that NDIA believes is uh, a good tool or resource for our, our members on the ground. And, and Sean, the NDIA, uh, there's like a, a weekly conference call that uh, is held uh, pretty much to kind of go over all the different uh, activities that are happening at the federal level. Yes, yes. So it's so we recently changed it. So it's it's about every two weeks now. But yes, we do have a community call every two weeks where we discuss anything that's new happening. We get information from our affiliates. Again, they are on the ground across the country, and I believe about forty-four states. So we speak to them any issues that they're dealing with, any trouble that they're having in accessing funds. We talk to them. We get them answers and help to voice their concerns to some of the other policymakers in our space. And uh, Mr. Takeda, why don't you tell us a little bit about Access Humboldt and and uh, your work with the uh, public access channel over there? Sure. 
Um, Access Humboldt is, uh, um, for our area in Northern California, we're up on the Redwood Coast in Humboldt County and the North Coast region. Um, we're a lot like the community access providers in Hawaii, the um, Olelo for Oahu, Akaku on Maui, Naleo for the Big Island, and Hoike for Kauai. So we start off with managing channels and supporting media access with the idea being that everyone really should have a way to have their voice heard through media. So media access and giving non-commercial voices, you know, a way to find their way to audiences is where we come from. And so naturally what we, what happens here, like is happening everywhere, is that goes right into broadband access. The only way to really get your voice heard is to have access to the Internet and to have open Internet access and find ways to get affordable means and for everybody to have access to the Internet. So that's how we end up in this conversation. We're very local, um, just like those other organizations in the islands are, each one serving their own you know, county. Um, so we start off looking at basic services within our community, like public health and safety and education, uh, economic and community development, and, uh, culture and art. And to kind of you, I mean, and, and you, uh, yeah. you didn't mention, but you, you were a part of Akaku for quite some time on Maui. Oh, yeah. I, I, ha- I, I have a lot of uh, history in the islands. I, I, was part, I was on the founding board of Olelo, and I Got to work at Akaku for uh, many years and uh, have a lot of friends still doing that work. So I, this keeps me very hopeful, actually, for Hawaii because that legacy of really seeing the value of local interest in your communication networks, you know, is a strong legacy for the islands. And well, and organizations, yeah, organizations like NDIA and the work that Sean is doing, um, you know, nationally is looking at different efforts around the country to do that. Hawaii is a very unique and special opportunity, really, to see the best uh, happen. You're right, and, and I think this is a time when a lot of people have uh, have an increased awareness of, of what the broadband capability enables, especially for a state, you know, located in the middle of the Pacific, and, and really, it, it's part of our lifeline to the rest of the <coughs> rest of the world. Now, <clears throat> you know, I did want to uh, spend a little bit of time uh, and, and talk about this um, COVID uh, relief bill, and again, I'm, I'm sort of calling it the COVID relief bill because uh, that's uh, it's kind of a name that uh, I got used to, but it's, it's actually uh, evolved over time, and, you know, there was a version I think um, it was maybe about a month ago that was getting kind of circulated, and and it it uh, one of the things that really caught my eye was uh, back then it was uh, an allotment of to the tune of of a um, hundred million dollars for broadband for each state, and that would have gone to the state. Now, of course, that was um, uh, before it got. Uh, um, Really worked on, I guess, by both houses, and and the COVID relief bill that uh, one week ago was uh, a pre- a big difference. It was a big difference, and over the weekend, everybody was sort of waiting because it was a, a bipartisan. It was um, it was approved by both the House and the Senate, uh, 
uh, and then it went to President Trump uh, for signature, and that's when he he held off because, uh, I mean, everybody expected him to sign it, but he held off, and and that's what's kind of what's hitting the news is the, you know, the uh, the two thousand uh, dollar relief check versus the six hundred dollars, and that, that sort of held it up. But but actually, he 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 he. Um, Gave in and and signed it on Sunday and and uh, Sean, I wanted to give you a chance to maybe kind of give us some highlights of the bill that was actually signed. So that's the thing that's actually uh, in motion as an act now, and I think there's a lot of federal agencies that are working quite feverishly to, you know, make the rules uh, get the rulemaking done so that you know it's it's well understood how to actually tap into some of these funds, but uh, Sean, maybe share a little bit about, you know, what, what were some of the highlights of this bill? Absolutely. So uh, I think what you were, were getting at, but the, the name did change, and it was a little surprising to me because COVID relief bill seems to kind of roll off the tongue. But um, it's, it's being called the Consolidated Appropriations Act, uh, 2021 Consolidated Appropriations Act. And so what we know is that it provides a... Uh, $3.2 billion to the FCC for the creation of an emergency broadband benefit program. Um, we know that it provides um, $300 million to the National Telecom and Information Administration for broadband expansion to underserved communities. Um, we know that it also creates within NTIA a Office of Minority Broadband Initiative and provides them with $285 million to... Uh, to assist uh, eligible entities, which they they kind of go down the list in the bill, which includes uh, historically black colleges and universities, includes um, tribal colleges, and uh, a list of others to help them in uh, providing them access, uh, providing uh, digital skills training, providing some of the other elements of digital inclusion that is that's really needed, especially in this time, um, in order to become and, and really be a part of this, this digital revolution that we're experiencing. Um, and it also provides a uh, billion dollars to uh, for specifically for tribal connectivity. So uh, those are some of the, the, the major heavy hitter uh, items in the, in the bill that have gotten everyone's attention. Yeah, so let's talk, let's, let's sort of unpack... Uh, some of the things that that you just mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in in terms of the uh, let's say where do we where do we start? You mentioned NTIA. NTIA yeah. stands for what does it stand for? NTIA stands for National Telecom and Information Administration. National Telecommunications. Sorry. Right. So so they are one of the designated. Uh, Agencies, federal agencies that are going to be the uh, kind of the keeper of the funds, uh, and yeah. and and the uh, depending on the program that you're applying for, uh, mm-hmm. you will need to apply to the NTIA. Is that correct? Well, so what what's happening is is that a lot of the, the bill with the bill just coming out, a lot of the details haven't been rolled out yet. So what we do know is that the money is going through the ISPs. So if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe one of uh, Hawaii's biggest 
and their service providers is Earthlink. Okay, okay, um, okay. Well, let's 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 yeah, let's dig into that a little bit because uh, I can help clarify who the major ISPs are. So uh, let's let's uh, kind of like hold that thought, and uh, of course uh, we'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Sean Davis and Taketa, and of course we're talking about broadband and the what I, I guess I'll call it the Consolidated Appropriations Act, and this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian Motor Experts, and Hawaii Naturopathic Retreat Center. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to Sean Davis. He's a research and policy director over at the NDIA, which is the National Digital Inclusion Alliance, and we have Sean Takeda, who is the executive director over at Axis Humboldt, and uh, they're a federally. Um, and we're talking about federal support for broadband deployment and digital equity uh, initiatives. And of course, right before the break, uh, we're sort of unpacking some of the the language that uh, references, you know, how agencies or companies can can access some of these funds. And we're sort of talking about ISPs and uh, the. the um, Sean, the major ISPs here in Hawaii are are basically two. I mean, there are probably a few others that are much smaller, but the major ones are Hawaiian Telecom, and they're the uh, incumbent telecom provider. And there's uh, Charter, which also goes by the name of Spectrum. So those uh, are the those are the major ones. And <clears throat> and so to describe what would it be? What would it take for them to access some of these funds? Okay, so. For the Emergency Broadband Benefit Program, the money is coming straight through the ISPs. And so for some of these ISPs that have already been engaging in providing high-speed Internet service or providing uh, providing high-speed Internet service, they would, would, would essentially need to happen is because participation in that program is voluntary for ISPs, Households and advocates have to contact their local providers to see whether they're in, whether they will be enrolling in the program. Um, once they are, what the language in the bill simply states that this is a reimbursement. And so, as we understand it, the fund, the ISPs will provide the, a subsidy somewhere between ten to fifty dollars for homes or for households and. The uh, in one provision of the bill, the FCC will will, will give that money or, or reimburse those internet service providers with um, with the funds from the bill. In the other provisions, though, through the tribal connectivity, uh, the the one billion dollars uh, slated for tribal connectivity, or the um, two hundred eighty five million dollars for the creation of the Office of Minority Broadband Initiatives, that money is coming through the NTIA. Got it. So, so right. uh, yeah. Two separate things, yeah. So, Takeda, do you want to clarify a little bit? I, I know you, Takeda, you're pretty familiar with uh, LifeLite, and, and what Sean was yeah. describing is kind of a LifeLine-like service. And yeah, maybe you can sort of yeah, describe uh, what that looks I, like. I would like to touch on that real quick. I think those are maybe the two big ones, since we have a little bit of time here. Um it's called the emergency broadband benefit is the closest relation to what we we normally call lifeline 
And that's the idea that people who can't afford to have Internet access get a subsidy um, through a federal program and a state program, sometimes both. And um, what's different about this, and that's, this is all managed through the Federal Communications Commission, and I think maybe the key point for people to understand is that the FCC has been charged with setting rules for this program, and the timeline for them setting those rules is now. So within five days, they set up, they do a notice, and then there's 20 days of public comment, and then there's another 20 days of reply comments, and then within 60 days, the FCC has rules in place. And it's possible that Hawaii, for example, could decide that any eligible, any eligible, the eligible providers who can benefit from the fund, and that's like $100 a month per household of subsidy to the providers. But the question is, who's a qualified provider, right? And I think it would be a real shame if only Hawaiian Telecom and Charter were the only two eligible providers. I don't know how many other providers there are in Hawaii, but certainly you want your community network, like the um, um, the ones that you've seen. And I, I need to quickly do a, a shout out that uh, Bert is leading this group, uh, the Hawaii Broadband Hui, that is very smartly tracking all of these issues. So this kind of very short timeline for public comment um, is doable for Hawaii. That uh, smart people are paying attention, and if you're interested, you should reach out to Bert and get involved because uh, Hawaii is going to be in the lead on these conversations. So, Sean, you know, going uh, with respect to this uh, uh, emergency broadband benefit, I mean, do you? Uh, uh, I, 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 no, let me let me go back to Takeda because I, I want you to sort of clarify when when a um, a benefit like this is is made available. Does the money go to the carrier and then and then they lower the bill to the consumer, or does the money go to the consumer? And I know I know rules haven't been made yet, so we might be looking into a crystal ball. But with Lifeline, how did it work? Yeah, it, it's the provider, and th this is true for most universal service fund programs. The provider gets the subsidy, not the consumer, and. Um, but it could be a range of different providers. I mean, people have uh, seen those uh, what they call Obama phones or the sort of uh, subsidized yeah. um, cell phone with a data plan. That's an example of a lifeline service. And for qualified people who are low income, may not have any other means to connect to the Internet, that is truly a lifeline for them to connect to information that they need. So. No, that's uh, a <clears throat> that's yeah. that's that's good, and and we will definitely be tracking how this uh, you know emergency uh, broadband benefit uh, really kind of plays out, uh, because again, uh, as Takeda said, I mean it's 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 it would be kind of unfortunate if it just you know this the big players got the got the lion's share of the money, uh, but again they are the ones that have most of the customers, so I would I would imagine that uh, they would be. Probably in in the best best position to um, service, I guess the the lion's share of the, the the I guess the people that qualify for that particular uh, benefit. Uh, but I do want to kind of get into uh, what Sean was talking about. Also, the the monies that were made available to uh, the Native American and, and Native Hawaiian communities, and 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 that kind of results into. Uh, some agencies actually getting direct uh, direct funding. 
So what we will do, we'll hold that thought, and of course we'll be right back after this short uh, break to continue our conversation with both Sean Davis uh, from NDIA and Sean Takeda from Access Humboldt, and we're talking about the COVID relief bill. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to Sean Davis from NDIA. And, of course, we also have Sean Takeda from Access Humboldt. And we're talking about the uh, federal funding that's coming in from this uh, bill that just got signed <clears throat> and how it affects uh, us here in Hawaii. And right before the break, um, Sean, you were kind of mentioning the monies that uh, were uh, particularly earmarked uh, for uh, Native American tribes. And in the yeah. language that was uh, written in the bill, it also recognizes uh, uh, Hawaiian homelands. And and mm-hmm. and within the Hawaiian homelands, the the agency that is recognized as as representing the Hawaiian homelands is the Department of Hawaiian Homelands. So, it, of the as as I know it, the um, the allocation of that one billion dollars uh, for the Department of Hawaiian Homelands is is to, something to the tune of of uh, thirty million dollars. So, in your understanding, Sean. What is what is that money? What could that money be spent on? So the money, the the money for that is it's a number of things, right? So in that uh, particular provision of the bill, uh, it defines what they what what the eligible entities are. So it includes tribal governments, um, the Department of Hawaiian Homeland, on behalf of. Um, the Native Hawaiian communities, also including um, Native Hawaiian education programs. Um, and so some of the things that the, that those monies can be used for is broadband infrastructure deployment, um, affordable broadband programs, including providing free, reduced-cost broadband service, um, telehealth, digital inclusion efforts, and broadband adoption activities. So there are a number of, of, of there are a number of items that those funds can be used for, and that's a pretty broad. That's a pretty broad spectrum. I mean, yes, uh, that encompasses just about everything. You know, we've all been talking about with you. You know, you described the the three stools of access and and literacy and and hardware. I mean, it's all there. Yes, yes, it, it's it's what 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 we have been saying. What NDI has been saying is that the bill is. Actually, the, the passing the bill is recognition that affordability is one of the most important barriers to high-speed broadband internet in the home. And because of the funds that are released to tackle all of those different pieces, what it does is it says that affordability, digital literacy, and broadband infrastructure, it's important and it's needed to bridge the digital divide. Right, right. And, yeah. and what agency would be the one administering that uh, a particular fund of money? That would be NTIA. And uh, Takeda, did, were, you, were you saying something? Well, I, I just am super excited. I mean, it, this is 
first of all, this whole COVID bill is a strange animal, right? It's the intersection of political opportunity between responding to an emergency, and it turns out there's a high level of agreement that having connection to the Internet is related to this whole experience of pandemic, right? You have to be able to work from home, go to school from home, uh, get your health care from home, and so forth. So the idea of setting aside or dedicating a billion dollars to tribal connectivity is incredibly radical for that to occur at this moment in time, right? Is, uh, so I'm, I'm just so excited. I think it's, uh, it's an opportunity for Hawaii that um, having dedicated funds go to the Department of Hawaiian Homeland at a time when they're looking at um, also having spectrum opportunities Mm-hmm. And being able to deploy wireless, uh, dedicated spectrum for native uh, lands. And so the combination of this funding, um, maybe the, the devolution, you might call it, of the Sandwich Isles infrastructure, uh, inter-island uh, that was originally built to serve Hawaiian homelands, uh, at the same time as this opportunity with funding and new spectrum, it's a super exciting time for the island and for the whole idea of sort of sovereign communications infrastructure, the ability for uh, people, particularly Native people, to manage and control their own networks uh, is a very important concept moving forward for people to meet their own needs. And you bring uh, up a, a good point, uh, Takeda, that the 2.5 gigahertz, which we also had on the on the show uh, previously, is a spectrum resource that was identified and was uh, uh, enabled. We en- helped to enable the uh, Department of Hawaiian Homelands to apply uh, for that, and and so that is a resource that <clears throat> they they do now have uh, as as part of their uh, their sort of toolkit of of resources for the beneficiaries. So that's part of that could be something that gets um, further deployed with the money that is now being made available. Another thing that's really interesting is that, you know, in the bill itself, it also refers to uh, specifically uh, cable landings. <laughs> so, you know, it, it it's not like you have to sort of interpret the language and, and see if infrastructure included cable landings. It's, it's there. It's right there. So, you know, the, the money has such a broad spectrum of, of um, use that I think uh, I think to your point, Takeda, it is it is pretty exciting. Oh, for the islands, that is so important. The cable landings piece and and your work to keep an eye on that. And I have to say, Senator Schatz's role as this, as a senior member of the relevant committee in the Senate is very important as well. Well, you know, we we we're kind of running out of time, and I know there's a a <laughs> bit more that uh, we wanted to kind of get into. Um, you know, real quickly. Uh, and and I'll just sort of lead this off, uh, uh, Sean. I mean, I know that you guys you guys didn't really follow some of the uh, the mapping issues, but the mapping is really what just uh, sixty five million dollars that's just going to go to the FCC. What do you see happening with that? Well, I think it's it's actually it's it's really good because what we what we know is that when it comes to providing a map as to who is connected and who is it. Who isn't connected? It's it's it needs to be updated, and we need a better way of tracking who's who's connected, who isn't, and how we can get them 
better connected to high speed. Well, Sean, you know, I know I'm going to, you know, this is the uh, ending, and I I wanted to make sure that people know that, uh, you know, they can get more information at the NDIA website. So I will put that up on our show notes for later on tonight. Sean Davis is the Research and Policy Director over at NDIA. And, of course, uh, Sean Takeda McLaughlin, he's the Executive Director over at Access Humboldt. And I want to thank you both for joining us today. And, of course, thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we will look into our crystal ball and predict what will happen in 2021. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on BiteMarksCafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at BiteMarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter, our... uh, on Twitter at ByteMarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HBR One every Wednesday, anytime on the HBR app, iTunes, Stitcher. And of course, you stay safe, you stay awesome. Have a happy new year, and we'll see you next week on another edition of ByteMarks Cafe. Mm-hmm.